entrepreneur, so I'm born to brew. You are now listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's grow! Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Adam McChesney, and I want to thank you for being here today. If you're listening, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We would love for you to share this on social media by tagging me and our guests, and this way we can get this content out to more people. Today, we have another a great episode lined up for you. My guest and I originally connected earlier this year through Podmatch. If you haven't heard of Podmatch before, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a great way to find more shows to be a guest on and vice versa. After connecting on there, we synced up for a quick intro call just to get to know each other a little bit better, and I knew he would be a great fit for the show. I absolutely love his energy, and I've been following him on social media ever since, so I know he's going to pour a lot of value into the audience. My guest today is Brendan uh, Kumarasamy. Brendan is the founder of MasterTalk, a coaching business he started to help ambitious executives and business owners to become the top 1% communicators in their industries so that they that way they can accelerate their success in the workplace and companies. He also hosts a successful YouTube channel with over 28,000 subscribers. Brendan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I know we had connected a couple months back and, and I've been following you on social media. I love the content that you're putting out because... I feel like it solves what you do just solves such a need that I think most people struggle with. You know, you focus on a lot of the things that most people don't talk about in business. I think people think that business is just taking care of the day to day stuff and not necessarily bringing out the full potential in entrepreneurs and things like that. So on the Entrepreneur Podcast, we like to talk about our guests and compare that to the uh, the beer brewing journey and compare that with the entrepreneur process or the entrepreneur process. So the first thing we like to talk about is the history. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you're at today and everything in between. Yeah, happy to do that, Adam. So for me, the story started in college. I went to business school to be an accountant, funny enough. And that's what I graduated in. And of, of course, what I do today is completely the opposite <laughs> of that. And as I was studying in my accounting degree, I started competing in case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, Adam, but for nerds. So other guys my age are playing rugby or basketball or football, sports that I probably wasn't that great at. I did the nerd version of that, which was presentations. So I did presentations competitively. Mm. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching all the other students in college, not because I thought coaching was a business, but because I wanted them to win competitions. So I did all of that for pro bono for like what, three, four years. And I accidentally got really good at coaching other people on how to speak. And that's what led to the YouTube channel master talk. And then later on the coaching business, because I thought, huh, nobody's really sharing this information for free online. So I started making videos on communication and public speaking, and it turned into something I never could have imagined. Mm, That's amazing. So I love that you did it, you know, just pro bono. You just did it out of the kindness of your heart. You probably obviously enjoyed doing it. And then you saw an opportunity, which you originally didn't think could be a business. And then it turned into much more than that. What lights you up? Like, what is your why and passion in life? And and more importantly, obviously in business too, but like, what was the foundation of all of that stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely, Adam. You know, for me, my why is I believe the next Elon Musk, the next Oprah Winfrey, the next change maker of our society is probably a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. So the ethos of what I'm building at Master Talk and what we're doing together is how do we make communication accessible? the tools on how to be an effective communicator for free for the world. So when Dale Carnegie was alive, who's considered to be probably the the greatest thought leader of all time in communication, public speaking, and the author of how to win friends and influence people. The challenge is that Dale was born in the wrong time period of history. So all of his knowledge is locked in books. We don't really get to hear him on a podcast. He never got the chance to start a YouTube channel. He never got the chance to even be filmed giving a presentation. We have no idea what he sounds like. And that's really unfortunate. Whereas I get the opportunity to really convey that information in the way it's supposed to be heard so that when I'm gone, people can listen to me forever. Mm. That's amazing. I love that. So what is it exactly like? What are some of the services that you guys offer at Master Talk? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure, Adam. So, so most of the service is really focused on how do we make executives bulletproof in the boardroom? And executives could be in the corporate world. It could be a business owners running meetings more effectively within the business with their staff. But it's really around that area. So we focus on three main communication pillars to achieve that goal. Presentation mastery leadership mastery and relationship building mastery. So 10 seconds on each just means presentation mastery, get rid of the ums and ahs. We get you to set the camera more often so that you look, you look really good when you're presenting virtually you're removing the monotones, making sure people are speaking slower. That's presentation mastery, relationship building masteries. How do you do small talk? How do you ask meaningful questions to get people excited about you and leadership mastery? How do you manage teams more effective with communication? Mm. I love those pillars. I think they obviously all tie in together, but it creates that kind of like whole well roundedness, that bulletproof executive that you were kind of talking about, because you can't necessarily have success or be really, really good having just one and not all three of those. So definitely makes a lot of sense. So as we kind of transition here into getting to know you a little bit more as an entrepreneur, we like to talk about the ingredients within beers. So obviously great beers are made from great ingredients. Here we're talking about some key things that have made you successful. So what are three things that have made you successful in your journey thus far? Yeah, for sure, Adam. I would say the first principle is show, don't tell. So what this means is a lot of business owners, they tell people what they do. Hey, Adam, I'm a speaking coach. Or if they open a restaurant, hey, I got some great food here, Adam, you should check it out. What they don't do is they don't show. So for example, with me, what made me successful, especially since I'm one of the youngest in the industry who's had the the level of success I've had, how did I convince executives 20 years older than me to trust me over somebody in their 50s? Very simple. I didn't tell them I was a speeching coach. I showed them. And that's through a couple of different ways. You give free workshops to show people, okay, wow, this guy's really good at speaking. I need to work with him. Or you give them free coaching. If you're, but that also applies on the product side, right? If you own a brewery, you own a restaurant, give some free samples away. Cause if your product's really good, you don't have to tell people you just show them. So that's the first principle that I think made me successful. The second one is understanding your pillars of differentiation. How are you different from everyone else? And there's three pillars behind that with master talk that has brought us success. The first pillar is practicality. The second one is simplicity. And the third one's generosity. So I'll dive into that for a couple of seconds here. 
Practicality just means a lot of people who share information on communication are PhDs in the subject. And that could be a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because if you're just somebody who wants to get better, you won't really understand what they're saying because the information is super theory based and they go into really complicated frameworks that don't really make sense to the average person who doesn't study in communication. So that's one problem that we fix. Second one, which ties into that is simplicity. Like how do we share practical, tangible ideas of communication that makes sense and the third one's generosity i give all my information away for free like there's no question you're going to ask me that i'm going to say oh you know you have to buy this course or anything because i just believe it should be accessible to all so that generosity has created a brand for us that's helped us differentiate from the marketplace but for the entrepreneur who's listening adam it becomes what are your three pillars of key differentiation and don't just say them have people run into them. What do you mean by that? What does that actually mean? And have them question those pillars. So you know what you're talking about. That's the second piece. The third one is to bulletproof your offers. And here's the easiest way to do this. Whatever you're selling, pitch it for 30 seconds and have people around you ask questions about what you're doing so that every time you get a question in a sales process, whether it's at a restaurant convincing somebody to try a new dish or a new beer, or whether it's on the service-based side to work with your agency instead of another, you want to answer those questions before the prospect asks you them. So it's a lot easier for you to deal with those situations. Mm, powerful. I, I love what you talked about of giving the information away for free. And I think uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I do a lot of personal branding and content and I try to give as much as I possibly can away for free. I need to do better. You do a phenomenal job at that. And I think a lot of people, when I tell them like why I give information away for free, I'm like, I just want people to have all the information. We know that busy entrepreneurs or business business owners nine times out of 10 aren't going to actually implement the imp information. And then they're going to come back to us and hire us because we become the authority. And when we're not trying to sell them, they make that decision based on their own. What do you tell the entrepreneur, though, that is like, Brendan, I don't want to give it all away for free because I'm worried that it's not going to translate back into more business? For sure, Adam. And it really builds on the point that you'd brought up. And a wise friend told me, told me this quote that I always repeat when I get this question, which is information is free. Implementation is the fee. Mm. So what this means is. Like for me, I, I'd answer any question on speaking. That's the goal of Mastro. How do we create an encyclopedia for like a seven-year-old girl in Kenya who can't afford a communication coach? What happens is because I'm sharing all my best stuff for free, the people who value their time over their money, and I'll dive in a little bit more on what that means, they will instead hire me directly because they're convinced that I'm the expert. So there's no second guessing that. And that's how I got it, my initial client. So what I mean by time versus money, there's kind of two populations who are watching my YouTube videos, right, Adam? The first one is the person who's going to watch 50 videos because they don't have a lot of money and they have a lot of time. So they'll trade a lot of their time and they'll watch a ton of my videos and say, oh my God, or they'll listen to your podcast and they'll say, oh, this is so good. 
and they'll get the value. But the person who's our ideal client might watch two of those videos and just go, oh, this is really good. Let me just hire the guy directly because I don't want to waste two years spinning my wheels. So my advice always to people who are hesitant is realize that information is actually becoming more and more of a commodity and it's used as being a credibility tool. And if you don't do it, somebody more generous than you will crush you in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Love that. I, I love the, I wrote it down. Information is free. Implementation is the fee. I think that that is awesome. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I figured you'd be around there and, and have a very thought provoked answer. So I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. I appreciate you sharing that with the audience. So as we kind of continue to go through the entrepreneur process, we talk about the entire brewing process as a whole. So great beer obviously doesn't happen overnight, nor does entrepreneurial success. It's an ongoing journey. Talk to us about some of the ups and downs of your entrepreneurial journey this far. Yeah, there, there's a lot of them, Adam. But if I had to give a couple just as highlights, I would say the main three are number one, quitting my job was the hardest decision I ever made in the business. And the reason was because I'm the only breadwinner in my family. Like I take care financially of both my mom and my sister. Mm. And that's only changing in like four months. Like my, my sister's finally going to get a, a really good job in like September. But up until even this recording, I'm still taking care of both of them financially. So there's a lot of stress when I quit my job. I literally cried the day that I resigned from IBM. And I had a very comfy job. Too. I was like a technology consultant mm. at a big tech company. So that was the hardest challenge. And I think for me, the way I overcame it was by realizing that time is more valuable as an asset than money. You mm. cannot buy back your 20s, regardless of how much money you have in your bank account, your 50s or 60s, you just can't go back. So when I realized that it changed my decision-making process, because I said, hey, if I messed up in business, thankfully I did it. I mean, I did for the first few months, but I made it work. I could have just went back to that six-figure job. It doesn't matter, right? Mm. They would have hired me back. It's not like I'm... 77 years old or something mm. so that or that I'm too expensive for them to take me back. So that's the, the first piece, big challenge. The second one is being too stubborn in business. So one big mistake I made when I was younger was I had this brilliant idea and I'm being sarcastic here in air quotes that, Hey, if I sent 50,000 cold emails to university professors and college professors across the U S and Canada, and even if 1% of them distributed my content every year to new students, I would have unlimited distribution because the students change every year, mm -hmm. but the teacher doesn't for the most part, that sounds good on paper. And after sending 2000 emails, they all spat in my face. They're like, you're too young. You have no idea what you're talking about. This is stupid. A lot of times they would insult me without even watching the videos. Mm. But the mistake I made, Adam, was I kept sending emails. Mm. I went all the way to 50,000. I spent, I wasted a whole summer, three hours a day, sending 500 manual emails for a hundred days. And I wasted all that time and I got barely anything. When I should have questioned the vertical and said, why am I even doing this? And a lot of us don't step back. That's mm. the second big challenge. I would say the third one was probably changing my identity. Don't get me wrong at it. I'm sure in 10 years when I'm married and I have kids, there'll be a bunch of other problems <laughs> I have in the business. They'll have to sort out. Yeah. But I think for now, the third one is probably changing my identity. Like I'm the only entrepreneur in my family that's had some level of success. So it was really difficult convincing my parents and the people around me to support me. So I had to show them my numbers, show them everything, or else I would have been surrounded by a lot of negative energy. So that's probably the third one. Mm. 
And going back to what you just said, I think a lot of people face that, right? And I think a lot of people, even when they go to put their chips in the middle of the table and go all in on themselves and leave that corporate job with the security and the benefits and the, you know, 401k and all that stuff, I think people tend to uh, get information or get insights and advice from other people that probably don't see it through the same lenses as as, as we do as entrepreneurs because we're we're built differently, I guess, is the easiest way to explain it. What were some of the key takeaways that like you feel like you extracted some lessons between leaving that job and then also kind of going out on your own and creating that new identity while understanding that you do have to continue to provide? Yeah, for sure, Adam. So a couple of points there. The first one is a lot of entrepreneurs say you got a niche, you got a niche down. But I think the problem with that advice for beginner entrepreneurs, like I was just a few years ago, is that niching down is only practical after you've had conversations with the customer. Like today, I could tell you, these are my three niches. This is why these people buy. This is why it's important. When you get started, you have no idea it's going to be the woman executive. It's going to be the brown technology professional lives in the US and is a VP at Amazon in engineering. Or it's the entrepreneur who's really built a successful business, but they're super introverted on podcasts and they can't speak on a stage even if they get a bunch of opportunities. So obviously now I sound really fancy and cool telling you these niches Mm -hmm. and I sound really smart, but I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning. Like I start, I thought people were going to buy from me and were students. That's what I thought my first niche was. Turns out they were broke, right? Which makes sense because they're students. And then I thought it was going to be startup CEOs, but because all the startup CEOs I knew were really young because they're all my buddies, they also were broke. Even if the value made sense for them to spend a few grand getting coached on communication, their mindset just wasn't ready for it. Mm. So I just hit a bunch of walls and that's the advice, which is you actually need to spray and pray to a certain degree until you see what's working and why it's working. But then when you start getting sales, this is the mistake that most entrepreneurs do is they keep spraying and praying. Now you need to stop and then go to where people are buying and actually sit down with them in a physical location. And I really mean this. I have a ton of in-person dinners with my ideal clients because I want to understand them at a deep deeper level in a way that nobody else in my industry understands them. So that's the second piece is really taking a ton of notes from your ideal client. Why are they buying this product? Why is it important to them? And the reason you need that information is because you want to sell a hundred thousand people that look exactly like them that have the same profile as them. So that's probably number two is ask meaningful questions to that avatar so that you can re-message it much better on the prospecting calls. When you're actually meeting your customer, you go, this is what you're looking for. This is who you are. And the person on the other side goes, shit, you know, my life better than I do. And that's what gets people to buy. And I would say the last lesson that I got is don't be shy to test the acquisition channels, the different channels that you can get with business referrals, guessing on podcasts, sending cold DMs, going into ecosystems, attending in-person events. But after you've done this for six to 12 months, take a step back and really look at the data to see what's actually driving me business. I'll give you an example. Last year, I probably wasted like, I mean, it's not a waste, but you know, it's a lesson. I probably spent like 20, 25 G's thousand dollars going to a bunch of random live events because i got my first five clients that way well guess what 
I attended all of those events and it was all just a bunch of waste of money. Cause then I looked back at my, my data and I realized that, wait a second, 70% of my business is driven by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I should be sending them more video messages and building more relationships. And I don't have to leave my house. So there you go. (laughs) Love that. I think so often people struggle with trying to always reinvent the wheel. And there's a, a mix that you have to have between, as you mentioned, like testing things out, but also analyzing and auditing the return on investment for those things, whether that's time, energy, money, resources, what have you. And they tend to think that, oh, hey, I can go try this out and it's going to work, but they don't actually go back and like look to see, did it work? And then you made that decision to be like, hey, I can do something that I'm already doing, that's already working from the comfort of my home, like all of those different things. And it, it makes sense to continue to do that and double down on that. So, so I love that. So the next thing that we kind of talk about here in the entrepreneur process is fermentation of conditioning. So within beer brewing, this is where you wait to see the final result of what a beer tastes like and figure out what needs to be changed in order to get just a little bit better. On the entrepreneurial side, what is the biggest lesson you've learned that you would share with someone that's looking to save years worth of mistakes? Absolutely. Years worth of mistakes. I would say, obviously, the most important one is to is to meet somebody who's three steps ahead of you. Right. But I'm sure that tip gets shown a lot on the podcast, because obviously the reason I shortcutted my time, my time horizon to success is because my business partner's 20 years older than I am. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the simple idea. So I got free coaching and I gave him half the business in exchange. So it worked out for both of us. Mm-hmm. But that's the simple advice that might not apply for everybody. So I would say the the biggest one is spending a lot of time refining the product. So one thing I did when I when I met a lot of early clients of mine who kind of just bet on me because they liked my channel and I sucked at sales and I didn't know how to do the process. So, but I wanted to make sure they got the results, even if I was kind of all over the place. And and that's normal. Your, your delivery model won't be perfect at the beginning, whether you're starting a beer company or whether you're doing coaching, whether you're doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I would sit them down and I would ask him a very specific question that I got from Kevin Sistrom, the founder of Instagram, that I, I felt really saved me a lot of time, which was if you had to change one thing, what would you change about the delivery model? Or if you had to change one thing about the product, what would you change? And what I like about the specific question, Adam, is it forces negative feedback. Like it forces points of improvement. Because if you just go, how's the product? They go, oh, it's great. I loved it. But instead, if you go, hey, if you had to change one thing, what would you change and why? I'll give you an example of this in in the business to to make it more practical. So I was probably on cohort five or six at this point, Adam. I'd coach probably five groups of of clients in a paid basis. And after my sixth group, I was realizing that four students in the group were getting results three times faster than everyone else. But I didn't know why. So I sat down with one or two of them and I said, hey, what's going on? Why are you getting better results, John or Tina or Jose? And they would message me back and saying, oh, you know that accountability buddy system that you had, Brenda, you kind of gave everyone a, a buddy how the program works is. You get buddied up with somebody else in the program and you're doing exercises together. But they just said, well, I wanted more than one buddy. So I just DM'd everyone else in the group in, in the paid program. And I just said, hey, could I have like, 
three buddies. And then they started meeting with each other a lot more frequently without me even trading my time. Like mm. this doesn't cost me a dollar and they got results rapidly. And it was more fun for them because they got to meet more people in the group. So I said, why didn't I think of that? Like I was kind of slapping myself in the face for like a week. I was like, what a ridiculous insight. So then the next group, I messaged all my clients and I just said, how many buddies do you want in the program? You could pick as many as you want. Some of them said seven. So I just said, great. I put them all together. They got crushing results and I got all the credit for it. <laughs> so that's just an example that saved me a ton of time. And nobody in my industry does that. Ah, I love that. I love how it started out with just you understanding that certain people were getting better results quicker, faster, stronger, et cetera. And you didn't just take that. Cause I think there's another great lesson to extract here for those listening is a lot of times people will see that their clients are getting great results and then they'll pinpoint that and just highlight the clients and be like, great job. You know, all three of you. Right. And then they'll be like, yeah, that was me. That was me. Like I, I helped them. The other people just aren't taking action. You went one step further to figure out, okay, there's gotta be something more here. And then you pulled out that lesson and extracted it to your next group of coaching clients to be able to get more people's success quicker, faster, and stronger. And then now you're able to leverage that in, in terms of your business. That's a very good observation, Adam. And, and obviously I was kidding about the whole, like, and I take credit for all the yeah, transformation because, because you're right. It's, it's a mindset that I feel, and I don't even consider myself that successful, right? Is, is people who are successful, they have the exact mindset that you adopt. Like for me, whenever I'm on a show, I always assume the host is smarter than I am in some area of life. Mm. And when you just adopt that mindset in general, just with everybody that you meet, you're always going to create new insights mm. where I think the big mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make especially successful ones is they get complacent they go oh yeah i'm really good at this now like you said right i'm so i'm strong at this i'm getting all the results i'm taking all the credit instead of going like what am i doing wrong here how how would somebody younger than me and smart and hungry and smarter than me beat me that's a question i ask myself a lot it's kind of like the devil's advocate question you go like if somebody was 10 years younger than me who had all the information i have next all my information's free they can see my business model how could they beat me and i kind of write a game plan in detail oh this person would beat me by doing this 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 and i go crap i'm not posting it up on instagram and then now i just invested another chunk of change to make that happen so i think mm. that's a question we could all ask ourselves more yeah i love that question love that question man this has been a great episode man kind of finishing everything up here the in the last aspect of the entrepreneur process we talk about distribution so that's taking beer to market and selling it so talk to us about what is next for your future what's next for master talk and some of the the cool things you have coming down the pipeline yeah, for sure, Adam. So, you know, for us, the mission is really how do we bring communication tools to the world for free? So for us, there's two ways of approaching that that people can keep in touch with. The first one is the YouTube channel. Obviously, just type Master Talk. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is I do a free communication workshop every two weeks. It's over Zoom, it's live, and it's absolutely free. And I facilitate the call myself. So you can see me apply a lot of these ideas on how to speak more effectively. So if you want to jump on that call, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. We'll have that and everything else in the show notes. Where can people connect with you on Instagram, any of those social media outlets that uh, you want people to stay in touch with you with? 
Yeah, for sure, Adam. So Instagram is Master Your Talk, and LinkedIn. My goodness, if you could figure out how to spell my name, you can absolutely connect with me there and send me a DM. <laughs> uh, we'll put that in the show notes so that way they don't have to guess on it. But Brendan, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise, this is super fun. And I want to thank you again to the audience for tuning in to today's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share our content. Leaving a five-star review goes a long way. We'll see you all next week. And remember, entrepreneurs aren't born, they are brewed. I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs aren't born, they're brewed. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's go!